The following audio drama is rated R for rockin'. You can be sure that everything you wanted to see when you're a teenager is here. Just tantalizingly out of reach if you're under 17 or 18 years old. This is Leonie Selby Evans, co-editor and character actor for the Junket podcast, which is about using Dungeons and Dragons 5th edition to tell the story of a crew who already saved the galaxy once before, only to be forced out of adventuring retirement by the impending end of the universe. Our show blurs machines, magic and mystery to create a space opera populated by fantastical tales and fantastical figures, from ancient gods through to precious alien refugees stranded in another time. This is episode 17, For One Night Only, which forms the opening of our second story arc. The end of the universe is nigh, but for this night at least, the show must go on. Thank you for listening. It has been two years since the trade galaxy was shaken to its core by the actions of a single, mismatched, multi-species crew. Whatever you think of the heroes of Yentao, also known as the Space Squad, one thing is certain. All eyes are watching for whatever they do next. Last time in the Maelstrom Galaxy, you arrived back in New Analu and promptly collided with SS Knack, the band of plucky teens and tweens who for some reason have chosen you guys as their heroes. We pick up now two weeks later, long after bubble tea group selfies and libraries. It's been almost two months since the fireball that upended your lives, and while the skyline of New Analu is different, it's healing too. Cranes dot the tiered hollow of the Appelton Delve and nearby high cops. Closed shops and cafes are supplemented by temporary vans handing out free or discounted food and goods, and volunteers make regular rounds with blankets and hot drinks. The cranes aren't the only things that have been popping up across the city. Posters paper the city streets, banners snap and flutter from lampposts, and signs blink and dazzle at all times of day and night. All of them feature the same message, and the same violently pink colour scheme. The Our City Concert. Join pop sensation Luella on january the 6th for a party like no other. All proceeds go, like, to new annually relief and rebuilding efforts. Doors open at 7.30. The five of you are in a dimly lit room. It's a cramped little cupboard of a space with one whole wall taken up by an enormous backlit mirror and a countertop covered in face paint and glitter and powders. There is one chair, a questionable smell, and a light that flickers irregularly. From somewhere in the distance, you can hear some kind of like muffled roar. What do you do? So again, who? They've just waited the full two weeks to ask this again. <laughs> They've been asking a lot. <laughs> so please tell me who. <laughs> you know, Slurp's friend. I mean, Synth's friend. Hmm, that's a wouldn't a word. <laughs> I wouldn't say friend. Uh, Slurp doesn't have positive things to say about them. I thought you were going to say Schlepp doesn't have friends. <laughs> oh, no. That's loads of friends. How dare you? That is my child. I was looking at you like, from Crick? Crick oh my would say this? God. Like, my kid doesn't have friends. Wow. Schlepp doesn't have friends, but they do have a dad. It's me. Unbelievable. No, Schlepp had loads of friends. But, like, Schlepp, I don't understand because... They can't be that bad. I mean, they're Junie's friend, and Junie has excellent taste. In most areas, it seems, but maybe not in this area. What did they do to you? This person is a a musician, yes? (laughs) Okay, but actually, she's kind of really cool. I mean, there aren't that many Pluween pop stars on the galaxy stage, so that's kind of why she's a really big deal. She's one of the first ones. Five minutes, synth! I think Schlurp, in this instance, has used Ultra Self rather than Disguise Self. So that means they're a flashy person. <laughs> that sounds so bad. And they're dressed in kind of like a... I don't know, like smart linen trousers and like a nice blouse or something. And I think like during this conversation, they've also been like applying lots of glitter and nice stuff to their face. Yeah, well, at least I had a couple of weeks to prepare for this. You're gonna do great. 
are you guys in there? And you hear um, the door, like Junie's voice through the door, and then the door opens and Junie's in the doorway and she says, you guys, uh, we should like really get to the box. Uh, Stenson needs to be on stage. There's like a stage manager looking really stressed. Yeah, yeah, we heard five minutes. Well, less now. <laughs> okay, four minutes. Yeah, Corella heard this, heard this Mac tea in there, so you're going to be set. Oh yeah, there's like a lot of alcohol. Hopefully you'll be blind drunk by the time Luella gets on. Uh, I'll show you to the box. Um, Faz, keep an eye out. There might be someone you recognize. Ooh, exciting. Ooh, I'm, I'm excited. Before we go, I just want to give Schlurp, sorry, Synth, wink, wink, a big old hug and say, I am so proud of you. You're doing so good and you're going to smash it. Yeah, I am. I just wish they'd put me on the poster. Oh, honey. <laughs> you're, in the, you're on the poster in, in our heads. No, you are on the poster, Schlurp. You have a 0.3 sized line at the very bottom of the poster saying, asterisk, supported by synth rhythm. Oh, that's just insult to injury. <laughs> oh my god. So you're going to kill it. We're going to go watch from the box. And let's go. Cool. Uh, you exit the dressing room into a long, large, concrete-walled corridor. Uh, Junie will kind of usher the rest of you off to the left while Schlurp has to peel off alone to the right to head up towards a very bright light in the distance, which makes it sound like they're going to heaven, but it's just the stage light. <laughs> I ascend! Hey, wait, wait. <laughs> we are going to heaven, though. We're going to hear Schlurp play. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Quick question. On the way walking there, do I see any posters with Luella? Oh, you'll see so many posters okay, with Luella. Okay, I rip, I rip, I rip them down. Junie turns around and says, hey. Sneak, sneak, sneak. Okay, roll, <laughs> roll, roll uh, stealth, please. 16. Junie does not notice. She's Hell too yeah. busy gazing into her wife's eyes. Hell yeah. Too busy being gay. Too I was busy. only going to rip one down anyway. It's just an act of rebellion on Schlurp's behalf. Too busy being gay. Schlurp. You walk along this corridor, and I don't, I don't know if you get stage fright, but like I think there is an anxiety to because you know pretty much everyone in the city is here tonight. This is mm. a big gig. I would wager it's probably your largest that you've ever been in, or one of the largest. Yeah, I think she's mostly used to playing like small venues and clubs, that sort of thing. This is not a small venue. You walk towards the lights, and you, as they as you kind of your eyes kind of adjust. You see a stage ahead of you which stretches a good 50 feet. It's a, it's a kind of arc of polished black stone with a bristling array of lights beaming down. They're so hot. And you can see like a field of twinkling lights of this enormous crowd who have gathered here at the very back of High Cops, uh, not High Cops, of Freeglade, uh, with the kind of the fancy manor houses and stuff in the background. And as you walk into this light, you see someone in front of you, uh, standing right in the middle of the corridor, hands on hips, is a Pthoeen, a bubblegum pink color with a white beak. They have very dark eyes and they are staring at you with a very, very piercing expression. And then like upon noticing you, this Pthoeen immediately switches to a very like casual stance and like leans on one leg, like inspects the uh, the finger pads on one hand and just goes, hi, Synth. I'm not like gonna put you off if I watch from backstage, right? I just, I really like to be here early for my performances. Well, it's a good thing to be able to see me because you'll be able to see the audience full energy before you tire them out. Oh! And she folds her fingers into her hand and she says, ooh, that was better than usual. Break a leg, Synth. There's a medical team on standby. <laughs> <laughs> I feel threatened now. <laughs> Come behind me in the concert, just break my leg. <laughs> <laughs> and she makes to walk past you. And um, she, she's going to like shoulder check you as she does, which is comical because she's so tiny. But yeah, she's going to like shoulder check you as she does. Can I, like, can I cast Gust? I didn't know to stop her shoulder checking me. <laughs> I feel like she would notice a sudden strong wind inside an enclosed space. That's okay. Yeah, that's fair. <laughs> Shut Ruth granted extraordinary powers of magic. <laughs> Uses them for pra pranks. Synth rhythm. Master of wind. Oh, God. <laughs> 
<laughs> oh no. <laughs> yeah. Stay through the bots on stage. Oh god. You don't have an ass. <laughs> I'm using all to self. I have an ass right now. Oh my god. I looked up from my dice roller and heard I have an ass right now, and that was a really <laughs> weird time to look at that. So you changed your body. Does that mean you now have the ability to do farts? For an hour, yeah. This is going to be a real tonal whiplash in a second. Oh, fuck. From you guys joshing about Ash. Uh, from ass, not <laughs> Ash. <laughs> Luella shoulder checks you. You feel a momentary pinprick, and then it's gone, and you don't remember it afterwards. Wait, what? What the fuck? Wait, where? I guess that's you don't know. I don't remember. You don't remember. It. <laughs> oh, no, I don't like that. The rest of you have reached the boxes. Uh, Junie's led you around the side of the stage. It's, the setup is a bit like in a theatre where you have the box up and just to the side. So you're actually on the balcony of a nice house um, where the owner has kind of opened up the balconies and the front porch for the evening. And the balcony's kind of split in two. And unevenly, I might add. So a quarter of the balcony is for Synth and three quarters are for Luella's guests. I will say as well, as you enter, you see the two doors for the two balconies and Synth's is a printed out piece of paper that's been taped to the window and Luella's is like a custom sign that's been put up there purposely for the event. Oh my god. What do you do? Do you open the door and go in? Yeah. There are six chairs, which is odd because there's five of you, and like a water cooler. So no alcohol then. (laughs) Like, is the Luella balcony below us or above us? Right next to you. It's like there's like a meters gap uh, between the two balconies, but you can absolutely see over there. If anyone wants to make a perception check as to that balcony, that would be absolutely fine. Thirteen. Uh, twenty-two. Thirty. Twenty-five. <laughs> you see a bunch of strangers that you don't know. A lot of Pluene who are all varying shades of pink who are very likely Luella's family members maybe um, and then you all see, you all see someone you recognise in the form of a small dark brown furred Araswati with jet black uh, straight horns and a, sh- uh, a jacket with shoulder pads and a clipboard no <laughs> betrayal who is like looking up at the stage and taking notes like furiously and you can see a mic clipped to her lapel this is an old friend of yours, uh, Dana DeCarl of <gasps> the Raven Report. Well, maybe she's there as press. And sitting next to her, Faraday, mm. is someone you know even better than Dana because the this bluene is pink like the others, but is more of a kind of reddish rosy pink than like a pink pink. And you know this bluene because it's your childhood best friend, Nanuna Sunfish. What's the what's the barrier between the two balconies? A meter gap that you would need to jump, or you can just walk around. There's another door. <laughs> Parkour. Do it dramatically. Jump. You no. could just you could like she's a meter. You could shout. Leap. I'm gonna kiss Junie on the cheek and be like, I'm back in a second, babe. And then like rush through the doors and try and sneak up on Nanu from behind. Roll me a stealth check. Sixteen. Okay, uh, yeah, with the 16, you're going to be able to sneak up on Nanu. Uh, I imagine maybe she's a bit more at the back of the rows of seats. So I'm going to, like, come onto the balcony, and I will have a quick look around and see if there is any alcohol on this side of the balcony. (laughs) There are real flowers. There are flowers. There are tables covered in tablecloths. There's an ornate buffet. There's a mat. There's, like, there's a Namazir in a chef's hat who's like serving platters of food out on some tables. <laughs> there's like a huge sweeping row of acti because there are a couple of Appelton guests here and there's loads of champagne and all sorts. It's beautiful. Okay, before I hug Danny, I'm going to like wave at the others and like gesture for them to come over and like point at the alcohol and the chef and put like thumbs up being like, wow. I give a thumbs down. <laughs> <laughs> Disgusting. Disgusting. I can't wait for Schlepp to come try and find their friends and be like, no one's in my box. <laughs> I know, wouldn't that be really insulting? <laughs> no, I maintain I'm staying here. This is, uh, this is, this is Synth Rhythm's box and I'm going to stick with it. Yeah, I might, I might, I'll come back once I've investigated the, uh, the uh, drink situation. <laughs> no, you're staying here. You're staying here. What about you, Lorelei? I'm thinking because Lorelei has spent the past two weeks trying to 
connect with two small terrified children. Lorelei is quite tired, so she isn't feeling maybe as charitable as she usually would. So she's fully going to cast Pass Without a Trace on herself and go and nick a bunch of food and bring it back. <laughs> nice. Yes! <laughs> Best yes! That's, that's acceptable. I accept that. I think Corel moves to go, but it sounds like Crick basically stops them. Oh, no, 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 no. Where are you going? Where are you no. going? Where are you going? <laughs> well, Faraday fighted us over, so... And there's, it looks nice over there. <laughs> Faraday can go because she has a foot in both camps because Junie is a friend of uh, of Luella. We are friends of uh, Synth. And I'm a friend of Junie, so by extension. Junie just kind of shrugs and is like, yeah, you guys can come over if you want. No. <laughs> I, like I said, I'll be back in a bit. Crick, uh, Junie kisses your cheek and then we'll follow Corel out the door. See, I'm just imagining Slurp just being like, wow, I hope my friends enjoy the box. <laughs> so much cool stuff. Slurp looks to the box for emotional support. It's just Crick. <laughs> He's waving like, yeah. Oh. I should say, Crick does not, does not really have anything against Luella. Like, it's, it's very true. She is a very impressive, um, she's a very impressive person. She's done a lot of good stuff. She's very talented. But Crick has to side with Slurp. Obviously. So I'm gonna sneak up on Nanu and like wrap my arms around her. Oh, oh, Faraday! Oh, it's it's really nice to see you. It's amazing. I mean, like it's been two months, maybe. But um, why why are you here? Um, and all of her feathers stand on end, and she just goes, um, you know, um, you know how I was telling you about. Um, the new, the new, the new girl I've been talking to. Fuck off. <gasps> God damn it. Oh. Yeah. And over her shoulder, you see the tiny, bright pink form of Luella Nessarasa, the pluine pop princess, walk out onto stage to announce the start of the concert. And Nanu glances back at her and her feathers stand up even more. And she just goes, well, it might be her. Oh, that's fantastic news. Oh my gosh, Nanu. Like, you deserve the world. I know. I'm, we've been keeping it really quiet, which is why I didn't say who it was. Because obviously she's so wow. And we don't want people to get, like, too weird about it. But she's really nice, Faraday. Well, I would say she is the lucky one. Because you are wonderful. And you are the best person to have in your corner. So, how did you meet? Oh, well, and um, yeah, Nanu kind of like grabs a chair and is like going to beckon you to just come sit with her. Jess, can I take that stealth check? <laughs> it's 23. Yeah, no, you can go steal some food. Uh, I'm going to go in and I'm going to go, basically, I'm going to go nick the stuff that I know Crick and Corral would like and maybe a little bit for my like just a little plate for myself because i've seeing faraday sit down i'm like faraday's gonna be here for a while <laughs> i don't know what you'd pick up for crick so for Corel, that would be like a platter of um thinking about there being a namazi chef it'd probably be like loads of sides of fish like i'm i'm gonna pick up a burger and chips for crick and then for lorelei completely different to what i jessica would pick up lorelei's gonna get a salad <laughs> like a, a, like one of those really nice decadent salads with lots of croutons and pine nuts and stuff Ooh. don't forget the acting and then I sneak out again and just sit are their chairs comfier than our chairs ah. they have cushions and your chairs don't take the cushions I'm gonna, st I'm gonna steal a bunch of cushions I'm gonna let you do that <laughs> Jesus, Bloomin', heck, Jess, why don't you just steal the pants off these people? It's just like, Crick's just, you're cleaning them out. Crick's just sat there alone and Laurel is trying to get back through the door with her arms overflowing. <laughs> and I'm just sort of sat, sat there like, I don't understand why they don't like each other, but this seems unnecessarily rude. <laughs> and I do, I disapprove of this. And then I put probably extra cushions because I'm so tiny I want to be able to see and then sit down and enjoy my salad. 
I guess Corel's going to go over to Faraday and not do see what's going on there. Oh, Corel, Corel, you know Nanu, right? Yes, yes. It's been a little while, I think. Yes. Yeah, it's it's been a really long time. It's really nice to see you again, Corel. You've been keeping her out of trouble. Um, as much as possible. <laughs> yeah. Oh, good. We all know how rebellious Faraday can be. Oh, that is an outright lie. Thank you very um, much. No, it's not. I distinctly remember how many times you led me like to go steal from the kitchen or from the engineering room after hours when we were at school. Grell gives Faraday a little side eye. Did she ever tell you about the time we broke into Dr. Malcolm's office and we were training no. to look at his necromancy no. book? He had a bag of hands. It was really weird. Oh my god, the bag of hands. Yeah. And they were all different species. It was... Uh... That is macabre. It was a really cool <laughs> preservation spell, though. I ended up doing most of my thesis about like preservation magic and suspension and cryogenesis. That was really fun. Hmm. Not, uh, sorry, sorry, work talk. Um, oh, no. I don't know if Faraday ever said, um, I'm, I'm more the medi side of the medineer. Very good, very good. Yeah, she was the best of us. Um, no, but her feathers are like inflating even more. She's basically just a sphere of feathers at this point. <laughs> but, um, Corel, you should get some Acti. It's really nice stuff. Yes, is uh, I, I look for Acti. <laughs> is there any left? <laughs> There's plenty left. There are several bottles of it. Um, they have um, the, it, they have it served in flutes that have rubber rubber around the stem of the glass, so you can hold it a bit more easily with your exoskeleton, which is a nice touch, I will say. Oh, very good, very good. I will say there's a bottle of Acti um, out on the table that you can see, Corel, and it's really bizarre because you've never seen an Acti of that vintage in the trade galaxy. But I would, I would, um, I would wager you've seen it elsewhere, perhaps across the illegal Appelton border. I inspect it closely. Uh, you could see on the bottom that there's a label that's been applied over it saying New Analu, but you can see there's another label underneath it which has the very corner of the uh, blue diamond of the Appelton Empire there. Krell puts that bottle in their messenger bag stealthily. <laughs> could you roll? <laughs> could you roll me? Sleight of hand, please. Because the, nam the, the Namazir is just right there. By all means. Uh, 28. Carol, they just stand in front of this Namazir and just bag this bottle. And the Namazir is just kind of, you know, like when you're in London and you see like the the, the big bear hat guards and they just stare. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like this Namazir is just there like staring into the distance. They are spaced out. Space the fuck out. Are there, do I see any other bottles similar to that one? Uh, yeah, there's probably about five more. I'm going to take one of the clearly smuggled ones, <laughs> and then I'm going to take another just for, another non-smuggled one just for myself. With the roll you had, I'm just going to let you do that. I can't. You guys, this this box has been going fine, and you guys have just come along and been gremlins. Oh, come on, the difference is ridiculous. She was rude to our friend. Oh look, Dana's here. Dana. Uh, oh, and she swivels and goes, Faraday Lewis. Fancy seeing you here. <laughs> yeah, no. Um, hey, did you did you notice that like Crick is over there? <gasps> Mitchell is here. Yeah, he's Mitchell. <laughs> Mitchell. <laughs> Mitchell. <laughs> I've missed her so much. She stands on her chair. Mitchell Crick. Hi, Dana. <laughs> Why are you alone in the large box? Because this is Synth Rhythm's box and I wanted to show my support. Do you want to come over? I like my chair. It has <laughs> cushions. But you would be welcome to join us in this chair. <laughs> Lorelei looks over to Crick and just wiggles her eyebrows a little bit. <laughs> join her on, on the chair, Crick. Oh! <laughs> oh! <laughs> Oh, yes. Very, very funny. Very funny. <laughs> Lorelei just settles back into her copious amount of cushions and starts giggling to herself. <laughs> I meant on the box. I'm sorry. 
Go and talk to Dana. Go to Dana. I'm going to go do that. Okay, you get up, and the, as you're trying to like exit the box, the door slams open almost on you, and Dana, like, you look straight ahead and then down, and then Dana's just in the doorway. Hugs. Mitchell Crick! Hugs, hugs. Oh, yeah, she like goes face first into your knees. <laughs> oh, it's so good to see you. It is excellent to see you. Wait, no. It is excellent to see you, too. <laughs> <laughs> You are here to support Synth Rhythm. Yes. What brings you here? I am here as press. I am going to interview the acts after the event. That's very good. I was invited by Loella. She was very courteous in her emails. Loella seems like a nice lady. She is. I'm glad you agree. (laughs) Yeah, I guess. Tomorrow's newspaper, as quoted by Mitchell Crick, Noella <laughs> seems like a nice lady. Um, uh, She's like, just reason betrayal. Oh, but by the way, that was off the record. Dana clicks her pen again and she goes, noted. Mitchell. And then the next thing she says is drowned out because there's a swell of music as on stage, Schlurp, you start to play your first song. Woo! I stopped yeah. happening. What, what do you do? Like, what does your performance look like? So I imagine the weather's just like big stage breath and pyrotechnics and everything is very bright forever. Synth has a more pared down stage presence. Um, they've got like some cool lighting going on to suit the moods of the, of the songs. But in terms of like stuff on stage, there's just like a few instruments um, and like a stool. Um, and the song they launch into um, is a song called True Blue, which is all about their experiences living in New Analu because they're trying to go for like, New Analu's cool. Hmm. Uh, could you roll me a performance check? 16. Wow, okay. Uh, with a 16 playing that song about New Analu in New Analu, for New Analu, uh, you managed to kind of like bring a real hush to the crowd and people get their communicators out and start waving them in time. Aww. And it's just a really nice way to ease into the concert. And... Um, for I'm not gonna make us like role play every song in Schlepp's set and in Luella's set. Um so I'm probably just gonna say like what's the general mood of your whole performance? Like is there like a do you crest anywhere or is it just kind of chill all the way through? It's a mixture of moods. So like obviously that starts with the true blue, so it's kind of like New Andalou's cool, and then then a song about I guess like a slightly funnier song, more upbeat, and then there's stuff that's a bit more melancholy, because you know, we're trying to be like, yeah, you're going to lose also, but also like a bad thing happens. So we probably shouldn't ignore that. I think second last song is about bad times, but they will get better. And then the last song I've called Sun's Up, Chin Up. Look into the future. Things are going to be ru- all right. That kind of thing. I like the sound of that. As you kind of whack out the last few notes and the stage like is about, you're about to have like the dramatic cut of the lights plunging everyone into darkness. Rather than the plunge into darkness, the stage gets brighter. And then an enormous LED yellow star is descending in front of you. Oh my, <laughs> Jesus Christ. Onto the stage. And sitting on top of it uh, is Luella, making full use of her sticky finger pads and finger t- like toe pads, uh, not without a harness or anything. And she is in a bubblegum pink floaty cloud of an outfit with knee-high white cowboy boots and um, star-shaped shades. And she jumps up onto her hind feet and she says, It's time for Luella! And then suddenly, like, the beat drops and the stage is full of lights and a stagehand is, like, guiding you off stage saying, you did well, don't worry. Now go. What what, what about my stuff? My stuff's still up there. It'll be posted to you. Posted? (laughs) The door closes on you and you're alone and backstage again. (laughs) That was abrupt. (laughs) And then the corridor you're standing in goes pitch black. I thought it was already black. It was like dimly lit. It go it plunges into absolute darkness. And outside, the floodlights go red and suddenly everything stops because a siren is blaring. Oh, what the fuck? And it's weird, actually, the reaction to the siren because not everybody freaks out in the crowd. All of you in Luella's box, all of the... like, There's about five or six appel to here. They all leave the box. And as you look down at the crowd, um, you can see all the other Apelter in the crowd also leaving the scene of the concert. Corral? What do I, do I respond to this in any way? 
Crow, you recognize the siren. You've been hearing it in drills for weeks and weeks and weeks. For months even, because this is the agreed upon siren for the adult mole of Sunset at Aluli Alnu. Gotta go. Gotta go. Oh, I should not have started drinking. <laughs> Corel, what's going on? Gotta go. Molting. Molting's happening. Were you molting? No, no. San sunset. Uh, gotta go. And I just run out of there. Do you guys follow? I guess I text people saying like, what's what? happening? <laughs> I got pushed backstage and then everything was red. What? Uh, upsides and downsides. Upside, no one has to hear Luella. Downside, Corel has run off something to do with molting by sunset. Uh, I'll come backstage and meet you. Okay, so Crick, you start heading backstage. Um, Corel, as you're kind of fleeing this building to try and make your way through what is already a dense crowd, um, your communicator goes off. I answer. And then you hear... Corel, you have probably already heard the siren and are on your way. I know that you're friends with the musician... I'm not very up-to-date on popular music, I must admit. No, no, neither do I, but, you know, came, came to be polite. Given everything your friends have been through and the part they played in bringing Sunset to the new colony, they would be welcome to join for this auspicious event. I'll, I'll pass that along to them. <laughs> Thank you. Um, if you get to the west gate of the venue, there is a disc waiting to take you down. I do just send a message to the group chat saying, all y'all says you can come if you want. I'm gonna hug Nani and be like, it's gonna be fine. Like, yeah, it's fine. Um, I'll see you soon, okay? Okay. And she kisses you on both cheeks. Is Junie coming? Or is Junie gonna stay here? No, Junie grabs your hand and is like, uh, fuck yeah, I wanna see a big bug queen, like, malt <laughs> do a thing. That's really cool. I guess we all try to convene. What's Dana doing? Dana is there to report on Luella. She is remaining in the box. But this she's is like, a, but this is such a scoop. Yeah, but she's not been invited. That's true. She's here for a job. Dana is like, I was hired to come and interview Luella, so I will interview Luella. You could see as you're leaving, she has like a drink in one hand and is just swiping on her phone with her legs crossed. She's just like, I will wait. <laughs> God, she's so cool. I think Lorelei gets down um and offers her so basically what laura lay has done is she's taken like three chair cushions and put <laughs> or no four of them put one on the bottom of the chair one on the back of the chair and then sort of wedged two onto the side between the arms and has just made herself a little comfy throne and she's just like we all have to go um it's a pleasure to meet you i've heard great things uh would you like my seat there's also some very nice tip leaf uh, salad as well, if you wanted to have some of that. Actually, I would quite like the peace and quiet. Thank you. You're welcome. Then Lorelei takes some of her tip leaf <laughs> out, of, out of her pocket and is like, For friends. From Chorus. Ooh, Carousian tip leaf. Thank you very much. And then uh, Lorelei just begins to yeet her, like goes from being bipedal to on all of her legs and just yeets herself towards the West Gate. I will say that Lorelei will 100% catch up because Araswati are faster than the other um, peoples of the Maelstrom. Uh, the rest of you is probably a push. Um, Schlurp and Crick... You probably reconvene somewhere backstage. Well, I like, imagine. Like close-ish to backstage, yeah. Yeah, maybe the backstage exit, that kind of area, if you're already on the move. Um, Faraday, you're probably like along with Junie in Lorelei's wake. Corel, do you wait? Do you wait for your friends? Uh, it depends how long they take. <laughs> <laughs> wow. I think the others that were in the box with you are only like a couple minutes behind you. Like, I think Faraday and Junie are probably only like two, a minute and a half, two minutes behind you. But um, Schlepp and Crick are probably about four, four minutes. Okay. I've, at that point, if they don't get here in the next two two minutes, we're leaving. <laughs> Could you two make me an athletics check each to determine how fast you get through this crowd? Uh, dirty 20. Okay. 15. 
I will take that. So um, the two of you are able to kind of push and sprint your way through the crowd. And I will say you make it probably as Corel's patience is about to run out. All right, let's get on the disc. Do you activate the safety railing? Yes. 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 Um, As you activate the safety railing, the disc lifts off the ground and rises up over the crowd and starts to head west, southwest towards the delve. Does Corel seem nervous? Oh, yes. I'm not, I, I, that's just apparent. Faraday is going to like just stand a little bit closer to Corel, so like her shoulder brushes up against them and is like, you know, I'm here, it'll be fine. They got to look over to Cricket and was like, so how was the box? It was... Deception. <laughs> uh, 12. Yeah, no, that's oh, not okay. gonna... I mean, I rolled a 15 inside. Yeah, no, you're not Go gonna... Go anyway, go anyway. Um, do it. It was, it was really nice. It was a great box. <laughs> I think they're gonna play along and like, that's good to hear. Uh, the point is, not the box, the point, the box is not the point. The point is, you did amazing. I was really moved by your song. I hadn't heard that one before, Schlurp. It was beautiful. Yeah, it's one of it's one I've been working on recently, obviously like with the concert coming up, so yeah, yeah it's pretty good. You did a fantastic job. Thank you. And and I whisper this one. Fuck Loella. Yes. <laughs> Fuck Loella. I'm so glad you didn't get to perform. I know. It's really funny, isn't it? My stuff's still up on stage. Um, as you say that, the lights come back on on the stage and you hear Luella say, well, that's like a turnout for the Bucks. Uh, congrats to all the Appelta. Good luck with the molting. Uh, we're going to carry on with the performance now. And the drums kick back in. <laughs> well, I guess you can't have everything. Just in the distance, Crow wants to do an insight on Luella and how genuine that was. Yeah, go ahead. Uh, 24. I got a 27. Okay. With both of those roles, um, yeah, Noelle is genuine. She genuinely is like congratulating the Pelter, congratulating the Pelter, and doesn't seem to feel anything negative towards them. As the disc soars out over the perimeter of Freeglade and towards the edge of the delve, um, you start to descend into the delve. And Corel, as you descend into the delve, you probably descend into flashes of memory. You're remembering like sibilant voices whispering in your head, the sensation of other people using your eyes, the sensation of like your chest is tight and like you can't breathe right because you're remembering all the times you've had negative encounters with queens and how they've telepathically gripped your body against your will in the past. Like touching things but not feeling the sensation because it's going to someone else. I would say that you're probably feeling some pretty supreme levels of stress and anxiety as you head down into the delve. I mean, in Krell's mind, this is... Either this is going to go really well or really, really, really badly for the new colony. And they are just running through every possible scenario of how the adult Sanset, this new queen, might act <laughs> upon maturity. Krell. Hmm? Stop for a moment. I'll try. I'm not going to tell you it's going to be fine. But I will tell you that whatever happens, the new colony will find a way to deal with it. Well, it might not... That might be an option. We might, you know, it might not be the new colony in, a, in ten minutes. It might be Sunset's colony. We don't know. Do you still have your helmet? I didn't pack it. Okay. I didn't think it was going to be today. <laughs> okay, well, we've faced worse things. It's going to be fine. No, it's going to be manageable. I I could go for manageable, ideally. Manageable, I can I can deal with. Then I can like take Carol's hand and give it a squeeze and we can go on. Corral squeezes back. How long do you think I have left on my altar self spell? It's probably been about an hour. That is the length of the spell, so I'm just trying to think. I'm trying to think. It's suspicious if it's just like, oh, now Schlurp is here. Where do they come from? Uh... They're expecting Schlurp. <laughs> That's true. That's a good. They're on a, like, can anyone see them on the like on this platform? They're racing. 
along with I don't think many people would be bothering they're all thinking like all of the people who are entering the Delve right now are the Apelta who are leaving the concert and they're all just thinking about the queen um I think I'm gonna like still like kind of crouch behind Corel and dispel dispel alter self okay and as you do that Shlerp, you can see through Corel's nest forest of legs um, as the disc descends over the day room where all the shops are, past the L room where all the office buildings are, down over the over the dwell room, which is where the Apelta actually like live and sleep, and then just like that, you are at the base of the Apelton Delve, a couple hundred feet below the surface of Rava, and ahead of you is the ring, like the ring of water, this um, water source that the the city uses. Um, with the base of the enormous Lalui tree rising up from it um, into the sky. And at the base of the Lalui tree is a huge metal door. And as you kind of approach it, lights blink on either side and it opens. I imagine there's quite a few other people. Oh yeah, there's like there's like a, 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 little, a little floating cloud of discs all queuing to try and get in. Well, we joined the queue, I guess. Yeah, you join the queue. I will say that it's it's um it's pretty orderly. I, I imagine you've drilled this a few times late at night. Oh yes, oh yes. So um, it's pretty orderly, but obviously it's the real deal. So there are always people who are going to bump discs and be a bit more agitated given the severity of the situation. And after about five minutes, you guys filter through the door and start to plummet along a huge con- a huge um, circular shaft down and down and down into the earth. Uh, the walls go from earth to metal after about 20 feet and about another 50 feet on so a long way now underneath Rava's surface you open out and you exit out into the enormous underground chamber which is the hub of the it's basically the hub of leadership for the Apelter on New Analu. Corel, you work here. I do. And I will say that as you kind of whiz along corridor after corridor, like this disc taking you to where you need to go, uh, you go past your office. Oh, Corel, this is where your desk job is. <laughs> you beat me to it by one second. I was going to make the same friggin' joke. Look, obviously, I have your an, desk. an office. I wouldn't say I spend a lot of time there. Lorelei is just at the safety bars staring because she's never been any further down in the delve than Faraday's shop before. It looks different to the delve at the surface level. Um, this The architecture down here is a bit more like what you'd see in the Appelton Empire. So kind of triangular doors, um, lots of, basically lots and lots of triangles, a fair bit of honeycomb, um, elegant red and black struts. Like It's a very kind of warm and spiky is how I would describe the Appelton Delve, like the heart of the delve like this. You shoot along corridor after corridor and then come out into like a wide thoroughfare. Corel, this is where like um, if you have all staff meetings, this is where everyone comes. It's like the giant hall with the jumbotron kind of situation. And there is an ocean of discs floating here looking up at the monitor, which is showing a chamber you visited only maybe once or twice. Um, it's usually only visited by the suitors due to the danger that this young queen has had because it's a hard thing being an Apelton queen, being a, a voracious obligate carnivore with very like a lot of power and very little control over it. So it's normally just the suitors that would visit Sunset. So because of that, even though this is really important, most of the people here will be watching via the screen. Your disc doesn't stop. Okay. You pass through the hall and through a smaller doorway and then you descend again. It's all fine. Don't worry. This is how we, this is how we drilled it. Where are we going? The disc exits into a large chamber. Um, the center of this chamber is entirely enclosed by several inches thick of glass. You're in this kind of a loop of corridor that runs around the chamber and has lots of like observation computers and monitors. And there, are, inside the chamber, you can see the torn up shreds of what might have been toys and there's like a beheaded teddy bear in there and like number blocks and like an abacus where all the beads have been destroyed wonderful and like a baby and abacus <laughs> and in the center of it you can see this kind of pulsing mass young apelta larval apelta are pure like translucent white this mass is kind of 
You can see what would have been that translucent white young exoskeleton, but it's distorted and bulging and kind of stricken in the center of the chamber. And you can see like cracks and crevices opening up all over the sides of it. And beneath it, there is a body that is shiny, silver black and new. And finally, your disc stops and lowers to the ground. So where are we exactly in relation to things? Uh, you're near a main bank of computers. Ahead of you, you can see a cluster of black apelta with silver underbellies. Uh, these would be the suitors of the new colony. Most of them are like a bit younger, but there's there's a core of older looking suitors that are a bit haggard. Um, are any of the the founders here? Is Uyal or? Oh yeah, Ulial and his husbands are uh, standing in the thick of things. And Uliol will kind of wave, or I will say, wave very grandly and delicately to you as he sees you arrive. Well, I'm going to go have a word just to check in. You uh, you guys do do what you like. This, this doesn't feel like a place where we can do that. Let's find a spot to, to, to stand. <laughs> we'll stay here. You go and check us in. I head over. Uliol kind of twitches a finger and the, the other suitors part for you. You're taller than all of them by a decent margin. Uh, what, what, what's our ETA? Ten minutes, perhaps less. She's molting faster than normal. I don't know whether to be concerned or not, frankly. What might a fast molt usually indicate? If you molt too fast, I mean, you'll know this. You might lose a leg. You might lose an antenna. I do not know. Given that we don't know how much or if any of her powers she will have... I'd rather we didn't have any issues with that area of her anatomy. Agreed. And inside the chamber, the kind of mass wriggles and then shrieks, and it's like it's like a knife cutting through the air. It is a shrill, unsettling sound. Grell tenses up at that. And Uliar looks down at you with one eye and just goes, Do you feel anything? Not yet. Am I the only non-suitor repelter in the room? There are very few, probably because of the inherent danger to the suitors should Sunset be able to take control of other repelter. Now, obviously, the suitors are immune, which is part of the reason why they're allowed to be so close, because even if she does have mind control, she won't be able to do anything with them. And as you kind of are thinking that, uh, Uliol extends a hand to you and says, I'm, I apologize for this, but... Would you would you mind if we handcuffed you just in case? No, that seems like a re- reasonable precaution. And he nods, and another suitor, and Tamayal, uh, the little suitor you did the whole library case with, he has like a lanyard <laughs> that shows that he has permission to be there. Aww. But he has like really big round eyes and looks really nervous, and his hands shake as he puts the handcuffs on you. And he says, "I'm really sorry, Corel, about the handcuffs." It's fine, it's fine. And I, I look over to the rest group for just sort of make a gesture like, it's fine. I give a shaky thumbs up. <laughs> it's all good. I, I thought, you know, they were finally taking you in for crimes against paperwork or something. But no, it's, no, it's fine. Crimes of being a nerd. <laughs> Corell would never submit negative paperwork. Corell's paperwork is the best in the colony. It was a joke. As humans would say, stick with the day job. Okay. Wait, that's a joke. You just attempted. Never mind. I think I r- I rub Craig's <laughs> shoulder. It's okay. Uliol leans over to Krell and says, "You were right. He is fun to mess with." <laughs> God. Oh yes. Dang it! Dang it! I'm gonna take Junie's hand. Is this as exciting as you thought it was gonna be? It's kind of like disturbingly fascinating. Also. She squeezes your hand and just goes, this is a really weird date. (laughs) (laughs) Is it kind of a a date if we're all here? You guys are always here. (laughs) I'm resigned to it at this point. But I mean, like, we had date night on the ship the other week and you were just there. You were just there like, do you mind if I use the pool too? We were like, no, I guess it's fine. <laughs> oh, and he- then you brought Bugsy in. But he had to have a bath. He was stinky. He ate my pool noodle. I bought you a new one. But I like that one. 
Crow is just looking over slightly <laughs> disapproving. The mass that is uh, the about-to-be-born sunset wriggles again and another scream slides through the air. Corel, it is absolutely deafening. And, like, it's painful how loud this scream is. It, like, it hurts your head. And Uliel looks at you and says, "What? What is it? What's happening? Painful. What do you hear? Do you hear something? Do I? You do. You're hearing the scream. And as you kind of look up at Uliel... You can see that no one else is experiencing it. Screams, pain. Oh. And Uliel like raises his hands, and in the chamber, um, you see like, uh, like a, a net of lasers start to descend from the ceiling, like and hover above her just in case. And Uliel says, "Hold, hold." Damn. And then in the center oh. of the chamber, no. that casing splits open from nose to tail, and a shining black form rises from. The wreckage of the larval form, the kind of semi-serpentine shape of an appellant queen, so familiar to all of you, uh, a shape you haven't seen in quite a long time, but one that you could never forget. Uh, she is 35 feet long, so bigger than any other appellant, but tiny, 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 tiny for her cast. Uh, she is brilliant, shiny, shiny, shiny black all down her back with a silver underbelly and luminous red eyes. And as she kind of rises up, she shrieks again as she like pulls her legs free from the kind of wreckage of her old exoskeleton. And then she like drops to the ground and just, you could see her like breathing heavily and like the quills on her forehead, which have managed to escape the exoskeleton unharmed, start to kind of tremble very slightly against her skull. As the screaming stopped. The screaming kind of dies down to a like a sibilance. And it's like you can feel a presence, but it's not it doesn't feel the way it has before. It's like you can you can sense that she's there and it's it's almost like you can feel someone brushing you in a dark room, like brushing against you, but it's not able to grab you or talk to you. Like you just know she's there. It's not the same, Corel. I relay this information to Uriel and the immediate group of suitors. Uriel holds his hands up again and it's just like, continue to hold. What are the psychometric levels? And like a monitor blinks on and you can see like, what you don't know what the baseline is, but whatever's going on with this young queen is not the same. And he goes, I believe we can start to breathe out. And he looks over at the rest of you and just goes, Did you enjoy being the first non-appellator to ever see the molting of a queen? Oh, so is that big a thing? Oh, y- it- yes, we are highly honored for you letting us intrude on this. Thank you. What she said. You're very welcome. After all, we would not have Sunset were it not for you. With Sunset, we have a difficult path to walk but also a path to walk at all. I'm very happy for you all. And like, you see all these suitors just start to nod somberly, like, yes. And above you, you can hear like something that starts quietly, but then builds into a deafening roar, which is thousands of a pelter cheering above you as this young queen stands there and does not control any of them. Ah, oh, sugar, that's it for this episode. We'll be back in two weeks on Thursday the 19th of August with episode 18. In the meantime, come say hi to us at The Junket Pod or give our Patreon a look at The Junket Podcast. That's all from me. See you in a fortnight.